Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's going on, good people? Uh, and welcome to episode 82 of the Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and we're going to go ahead and break down all this fight action from this big fight weekend. We just had two Bellator cards, Bellator 215 and 216. And we also had UFC ESPN 1. And uh, that was this Sunday, actually not Saturday. Um, but uh, yeah, man, we had some fire cards and we also had a lot of garbage. So uh, I hope sift through that. But before we get to that, remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15 percent off your first three months remember to follow the fight podcast on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and follow me your boy at serge vicente support the show check me out on the website thefightpodcast.com subscribe listen rate share we are currently everywhere podcasts live so itunes spotify google play stitcher um and all the above man soundcloud all that good stuff itunes so check us out check us out all right uh man happy monday people man we're happy monday we're here in chicago i feel like i consistently complain about the weather but it's our snowing again and midway through the day it was already gone man so it's been crazy um going back and forth with uh with the weather and everything here trying to stay healthy over here sipping some some green tea throughout the day man um i think i told you guys like i said the the peas uh they were out and um in the, my parents went to china man they got like a crazy group on for like 500 bucks round trip and five star hotels it's bananas but uh they ended up bringing me back this <laughs> this like 80 dollar um green tea supposed to be like this special green tea that they went ahead and like picked the like the exact like leaves off the right petals at the right temperature and everything and it's like supposed to stay in the freezer all kind of craziness man but look it's pretty delicious i'm not gonna lie i actually uh been sipping that joint all day trying to stay healthy because it's nuts out here man but yo this past weekend was um i was just in i called everybody i let everybody know people were hitting me up like surge let's go out this weekend let's get after it yo 
When there are weekends like this and there's legitimately fights every single day, I'm not leaving the house. And I don't think I did, man. I had to work. I had to run around, do some other things. But in terms of actually going out and kicking it, nah, no bet. Uh, too much going on. Everything from, again, all the fights this weekend. Uh, and it was also NBA All-Star Weekend. Not going to lie, the, the Saturday with the dunk contest and everything. It's lost its luster a little bit, man. I, I can't stunt. Um, dudes miss far too many dunks. I, I and I, I know I'm gonna sound like an old dude or something, and I'm dude. I'm 32. I'm not even that old. But yo, I remember dunk contests being epic. I mean, I remember people talking about the Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, and I remember it because that was '86. I was born '86, but I remember like watching those. I remember watching Kobe. I remember the Vince Carter ones. And then it was sometime around Nate Robinson and Dwight Howard where, man, the dunk contest just fell off. So until they do something to change it, man, I don't know if I can continue to partake. But uh, look, aside from that, it was cool. I had laptops open, the TV split screen, trying to watch as much stuff as I possibly could. Um... But, yo, let's just go ahead and jump into it, man. Um, I'm going to say it. I am. And I don't know if. Uh... Oh, man. Bellator. Bellator, Bellator, Bellator. I usually finish the day up with or this episode up with uh, our winners and losers. But Bellator, you take the biggest L of the weekend. My God, two cards, two absolutely atrocious main events. Um, One of them got stopped early because of a nut shot in the first 30 seconds of the fight. And then you have the other half that might have been the worst fight in MMA history. It was god awful. Watching two white belts grapple is never a good time. It, especially after we thought they were supposed to throw those things, man. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. Um, on this past Saturday, Friday, the main event was supposed to be between Matt Mitrione, um, one of the most devastating strikers in, uh, in Bellator, and he was supposed to um, fight Sergey Karatonov. It's supposed to be a great fight, great event. Everybody's looking forward to it. <sighs> Starts off, both men go out there, getting ready to really get after it. <laughs> Matt Mitrione, who's a huge dude, ends up throwing an inside leg kick, catching Karatonov. Um, below the belt, man. Uh, he didn't answer the the five minute clock. He was in some serious pain, man. I feel bad for the dude, but uh, all in all, that was issued a no contest. It was not a, a shot that was on purpose. Um, Matt Mitchell after the fight was very, very apologetic. And look, I I understand him. I feel him, and I do feel bad for him. Those type of things do happen, um, but. When you're actually watching the fight and you're expecting and you want um, something positive out of it, oh, dude, it was, it just did not do um, what it was supposed to do. 
Um, and realistically, man, I'll be honest with you, that is the only real talking point of um, of that card on Friday. It was a lot of people that, I mean, just some names, and there was no real standout performances in that card. But I will say this, the following day, and even though it was such an incredibly awful main event, um, there were some bright spots. And I want to start off with the Saturday card because, yes, I absolutely just cruised right by uh, uh, Bellator 215. Um, Bellator 216, again, this was also headlined in Connecticut. And it was headlined by, and it was supposed to be the grudge match, the biggest grudge match in Bellator history. And uh, we ended up actually getting a snooze fest, man. But um, the the bright spot, the card kicked off with Valerie Laredo uh, versus Colby Fletcher. Now, this was actually pretty dope, man. Valerie Laredo is a, she's calling herself Master Valerie Laredo. She's supposed to be a real 20-year-old Taekwondo phenom, right? So she actually kicked off the main event Saturday night, and she actually delivered the only, I'm going to say it again, the only finish on the, the broadcast, which sucks. Um, so Laredo, she actually trains at American Top Team. She looked really solid, man. She's quick. She used axe kicks and a lot of different things that you're really not accustomed to seeing in MMA, man. It was fun. Um, taekwondo practitioners don't usually do well in MMA. The reason for that is that they don't tend to have hands. Taekwondo is definitely more of a kicking-based sport. They jump in, jump out. Um, again, it's, it's mostly point, uh, point fighting, and they don't use their hands in the same manner as Thai boxing, right? So that's why a lot of times Thai boxers end up doing really, really well against them. Um, but she, look, she she when she had her pro debut again she trains with one of the best teams in the world american top team so obviously they're going to go ahead and work on her hands seems like she's done this the right way she's had amateur fights and this is her pro debut and look man bellator on a really big card they believed in her and they actually had her opening the main card She is somebody that can 100% be in the in the women's flyweight division for a long time. Um, she went out, she executed, and she finished her opponent in the very first round, man. It was really, really cool to see her victory speech at the end. Mm, I don't know, man. Something about it I wasn't, you know, I didn't like too much. She was super emotional and... Um, I don't want to say it rubbed me the wrong way, but uh, look, man, I'm not even going to get into it. Look, I was happy for her. She looked good doing it. Um, she has all the potential to actually be a superstar. And I have to give Scott Coker and Bellator credit. Some of the young talent that they have, Ricky Bandejas, again, who's been on the Fight Podcast. You have uh, who the guy who he beat. You have Gallagher. You have even though he lost Aaron Pico, and now they have Valerie Lareda. They are bringing the best young prospects and really 
building and you can tell the way that they're thinking they're not thinking like yo we need to win now we need to be the best organization in the world right now they're really doing a great job of building for the future man they're going out there they're getting people who are in there aaron pico's 22 um ricky bandejas is in his early 20s valerie laredo she's only 20 years old and here's the thing she has an exciting fighting style she's throwing a lot of different kicks and a lot of different techniques that people aren't accustomed to so people are going to want to watch her fight and to top it off look man i'm not gonna lie she's she's easy on the eyes she's a cutie man so the fact that she's hot and she can fight man Salute to Bellator, man. As long as she continues winning, you guys really have one with her, man. And um, it was really, really, really something to see, man. So uh, great win by her. Um, and and again, man, Bellator, <laughs> really, really, really great job in picking prospects, man. I, I really do love what I'm seeing. All right. Who else in that card? Um, the rest of that card, again, it, it wasn't the best, right? Um, Czech Congo versus um, the former champion uh, Villati Minikov um, Czech Congo ended up winning in a decision um, I'm going to be honest with you I have no clue what the Bellator judges were on even Big John McCarthy the, who, was, who was one of the best commentators in the world right now but he was also the one of the best if not the best referee in the game um somebody who was refereeing all the way back in ufc one uh way back in 93 this is somebody who was a gracie uh jiu-jitsu black belt um big john is the real deal super intelligent man really knows the sport inside and out and you know how people say yo like this dude wrote the rule book on whatever He's literally put rules in place that are actually happening today. The dude is a brilliant mind when it comes to MMA and just all the combat sports. So, um, but even he, after the fight, was like, oh, man, I have uh, uh, Minikov winning that easy. I did, too. I had a 30-27. I can see how you can possibly give Czech Congo some rounds because of his activity in the last 30 seconds but this seems like it was a common thread in bellator this weekend um so yeah check congo ended up getting the win um he is now on a nine fight winning streak he's looking i mean this obviously wasn't his best performance but you cannot discount what he's actually done he deserves a title shot. This seems as if it was the number one contender fight for the heavyweight division. The winner of that fight should end up going ahead and fighting um, the newly crowned champion, Ryan Bader. At this present moment in time, if they fight, I have to go with Bader. But again, Chek Congo is a gritty, gritty veteran. I mean, look, the dude's record is 30 wins, 10 losses, and 2 draws. He's been doing this forever ever he's seen everything and he really does adapt man so um and way back in the day man he was one of my favorites so especially when he was fighting pat barry and all those other epic fights that he had in the ufc um check congo was the man and he seems like he's actually found some kind of 
mojo swagger whatever but you're starting to see this more and more where some of these guys late in their career are really 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 doing a good job um somebody else who's late in their career and still rolling yo mirko krokop made his bellator uh debut mirko krokop for those who do not know He's uh, 36 wins, 11 losses, and two draws. Um, He is a legend in the sport. He is a former Pride Grand Prix heavyweight champion. He has fought the who's who in MMA. He has fought Fedor Emelianenko. He has fought Big Nog. He has fought everybody. And here's the thing. He also fought who he's fighting in this fight, Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson defeated him in the UFC a couple years ago. Mirko Krokop is actually, before this fight, 6-0 in rematches. And this fight kicked off, and I'm going to be very honest with you. Roy Nelson looked like Roy Nelson. Mirko Krokop looked like Mirko Krokop. Strong stand-up. Great left kick to the body. Good, solid takedown defense. Roy Nelson, big power. Heavy on the wrestling. Both men showed up. Both men fought hard. But at the end of the day, I totally agree with the decision. Mirko Krokop ends up getting a W against Roy Nelson. He hurt Roy a couple times in the fight. Um, Roy did have some success in the last round being able to take down Mirko. But really, all he was doing was leaning on him. He wasn't active when he was actually in the clinch. And Mirko was far more active. Mirko was throwing elbows. Mirko was getting on the inside. And again, once he was on the outside and at distance, he was able able to go ahead and actually really land some great shots man um really really fun to watch um but great win by Mirko Krokop and now again this is somebody who has been killing it ever since he's left the UFC possibly because all these other organizations don't test for PDs the same way but hey who cares we have Mirko Krokop back doing his thing and um and he is now 10-0 since he's left the UFC he is a what is it, rising heavyweight champion. Um, and this is now he's in Bellator. He can absolutely make noise in Bellator. Now, something that was actually talked about recently, which I think would be incredible. They're talking about having a rematch all the way back from Pride to a fight that was about 15 years ago with Mirko Krokop when he was the champion against the last emperor one of the greats he actually just lost to ryan bader but we're talking about fedor emelianenko if you have not seen that fight go back and watch those fights with fedor and um and miracle Krokop. i mean two absolute legends man i mean think about it miracle is in his 40s and he's been competing since he was what 21 absolute savage man and that would be incredible if they actually have those two old heads going back at it just to see legends really really going at it man all right now uh (laughs) the main event was between michael venom page and paul daly two strikers two people who have been known to knock people out i picked paul daly in this matchup specifically because the level of talent and opposition that he's actually 
competed against in the past, how he's competed against the top level competition, and how he is in transitions. So when he's in situations where the bodies are just flying around, how does he react? And in those instances, in the scrambles, he does extremely well. That's how he knocked out Lorenz Larkin. That's how he knocked out Brandon Ward. So when I see these, when I was breaking this fight down, I really had to ask myself like, yo, what has MVP really showed me? All he showed me is that he can do a great job of beating up people that he's supposed to beat up. That's it. Nothing special. He hasn't shown me a ground game. He hasn't shown me anything. Except for, look, when he's in there with somebody he's supposed to beat up, he does an incredible job. And I'm not saying he's not a good fighter because, yo, if you have not done this, go and look up Michael Venom Page versus Raymond Daniels. Raymond Daniels is one of the best one point fighters in the world, but he's also one of the best kickboxers in the world. Dude is incredible to watch. And I'm a huge fan of him. He competes, actually, he currently also competes for glory, but he competes for them in their kickboxing division. Competed for the glory um, welterweight title in the past as well. Michael Venom Page beat him. So, yo, I know Michael Venom Page can fight. But I didn't believe he was an MMA fighter. And after this fight, man, you know what? He proved to me that he wasn't an MMA fighter. <laughs> he did. Paul Daly is not a wrestler. And for Paul Daly to have, he made Paul Daly look like Yoel Romero. He made Paul Daly look like Josh Koshtek. He made him look like DC. Curtis Blades. Pick a wrestler. Any wrestler. Elite wrestler, should I say. Pick one of them. And that's what MVP made Paul Daly look like. Now, before I jump all over MVP, let me, let me get on Paul Daly first. Paul Daly. Your nickname is Semtex, which from what I've been told is a British explosive. You talked so much trash when John Fitch essentially wrestle-fucked you for an entire fight. You were talking to the, to the commentators, oh, this is such nonsense. I hate this. Everybody wants to wrestle me. Well, now you have somebody in there who's willing to strike with you. And your game plan was to wrestle him to death? Really? That's what we're doing. Mm, okay. Interesting. Now, I'm not going to lie. I understand the game plan. Wrestle him. Get him tired. If you can submit him, do so. But you wanted to make him work. I can see that. 
that that makes sense. He did some really good work when he was pushing up against the cage, landing some shots, but he wasn't, he was trying to hold the position too much instead of actually punching him in the face. So being able to watch this amazing striker grapple. And here's the thing, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm not the best grappler in the world. I've been grappling for over 10 years. But I'm not going to say I'm the best grappler in the world. No. I'm pretty sure I'm better than Paul Daly and uh, and Michael Venom Page. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Honestly. Yeah. Um, the fact that they... The, the the takedowns were all telegraphed. Diving in, reaching for his feet. Um, there were no setups. There were no level changes. It was just diving at feet and ankles. I was disappointed in Paul Daly. I expected more. I what I expected to see was him utilize his Dutch kicks kickboxing style. I even said it on the last episode. He's going to take a couple shots, but he's going to be able to keep a high guard, land a couple leg kicks, and threaten with the takedown. Maybe that was the game plan. Maybe he saw something in there that I didn't. I mean, look, I'm not the one standing in front of this 6'3 monster who's long and, and, and has knockout power. But I understand the game plan. Now, Michael Venom Page... I, man, the worst takedown defense in MMA? The worst possible takedown D I've, I think I've seen. It was awful. You have a man diving at your legs and it, he just essentially let it happen. I will give him credit because a couple times when he was able to reverse position he had more of a killer instinct than Paul Daly did he landed some incredible shots he landed some hard shots not incredible shots he landed a couple hard handful of hard, hard shots and it just and again he said that after the fight he said I was searching for the knockout Paul Daly just came here to wrestle me I was searching for the knockout I call BS on Michael Venom Page. If we all remember that atrocious first round in that in that fight, all they did was circle each other for an entire round. Not even ten strikes were landed and thrown in that round. If Michael Venom Page truly wanted to go out there and get and actually go for the knockout, he could have been the aggressor, but he wasn't. You cannot sit there and tell me, oh, I wanted the knockout. I was going out there to get him. When all you're doing is waiting for the counter shot. 
Surge, that's his game plan. That's his game. Well, game plans change. If you see your opponent isn't doing what he was supposed to do or you anticipated, you adapt. And what that tells me about Michael Venom Page is if something in the fight happens that he does not expect, he will not adapt. So that's what brings me to my next point. Now he has to fight against Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima is a former Bellator champion. Douglas Lima recently just beat and knocked out Andre Korshkov, who is another former Bellator middle, uh, welterweight champion. Douglas Lima is an enormous, enormous welterweight. He cuts close to 30 plus, 30 or more pounds to um to make this the 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 limit he is also just as tall as michael venom page michael venom page a lot of times has a huge height and reach um difference when he goes against his his um his his opposition michael venom page is 6-3 douglas lima is 6-2 he has 30 wins and seven losses 50% of his wins are by knockout. 20% of them are by submission. So what that tells me is he goes out there to get his opponents. He's very crafty. He has a great ground game. He's solid wrestling. And he has incredible kickboxing. He, unlike Paul Daly will attack Michael Venom Page. And if he happens to get Michael Venom Page on the ground, unlike Paul Daly, Douglas Lima is a black belt on the ground. A black belt in jiu-jitsu. He will maul that dude. Oh, man. And this is something else that uh, that was messing with me. So it's always hilarious to me when I see comments and things like that or people try to argue with you about certain things, especially novice combat sports fans, right? Or if we're talking about MMA, it's always interesting listening to a boxing fan talk about MMA. And it's funny because I used to do the same thing. Before I really got into MMA and I really started paying attention and training before I really fell in love with the game. You completely discount the ground game. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. I actually had Paul Daly winning the fight. I had it tied going into the last round. After the last round. And, and let's be very, very clear. There were no winners in that fight. Everybody lost. MVP lost. Paul Daly lost. Bellator lost. Us as the people watching the fight lost. But people discount how important grappling is. And if you ask anybody who is actually involved in MMA and you say, what is the most important martial arts that you need to have going into MMA? 
And 99.98% of us will say wrestling. It's wrestling because wrestling dictates the pace of the fight. Wrestling dictates where the fight is going to take place. Look at the champions. I'm going to go down the list. Let's start with the UFC. Heavyweight champion, Daniel Cormier, wrestler, Olympic wrestler. Light heavyweight champion, John Jones, All-American. Middleweight champion is... Ah, well, that's an Aussie. He's just a badass. Good for him. Welterweight champion, Tyron Woodley, wrestler. Lightweight champion, Khabib Nurmagomedov, wrestler. 145-pound champ, Max Holloway, savage. 35-pound champ, TJ Dillashaw, wrestler, All-American. 125-pound champ, Olympic gold medalist, wrestler, Henry Cejudo. I'm telling you, man, the most important skill set to have is wrestling. And the guys who actually are incredible and they're not primarily wrestlers, they have incredible takedown defense. And they have the anti-wrestling, okay? So it, it is extremely difficult to get them down. And if they do, they just work their butts off to get up. But if we're looking at it, look, man, the proof is in the pudding. We understand what it is. And this is coming from somebody who considers himself a striker. I'm somebody who sit there and say, look, man, my background is completely in striking. Taekwondo, um, uh, I was from, from Taekwondo to kickboxing to Muay Thai. Like that is me. That is what I did from when I was four years old until look, I'm 32. Kickboxing. I consider myself a striker. You need to be, you need to be on the ground. And why is that? And think about this guys. If somebody controls four minutes of a round, Four minutes of an entire round, and I'm not. Compl- I'm not just talking about um, the the Paul Daly and and what's the face fight. I'm just talking about in general because I've heard this about a couple other decisions and fights and things like that, and I find it laughable. I legitimately find it laughable when people say this because this is what I have to say: if I control you for four minutes and you hit me good twice. I won that round. And this is why I say this. If we're out in the woods and I take you down and I lay on you and control you and control your posture and control where if you can't move and I've con- can pretty much been to those positions that entire round. Think about it. If there was no referee. Fam, I can kill you. Think about that. That's how important. Or you have to wait till I go to sleep. That's how important grappling is. That's how important wrestling is. So when people sit there and look at two strikes and see a guy's head pop back twice, that means nothing in MMA like that. 
grappling counts just as much as the striking does. Now, this is when I think differently of it. If the striking, if I dropped you, if you controlled me, but I did damn actual damage, then yes. So, prime example, when Yoel Romero beat the hell out of Robert Whitaker, Robert Whitaker was winning the majority of the rounds, and yes, Robert Whitaker ended up winning that fight. But I, that was one of the fights where I actually looked at it the other way. This guy dictated the pace of the fight. He's the one that ran around, did, you know, did whatever. But the bigger shots were landed. I win that round. That's when that situation to me counts. Another time, this is a decision where people were also really mad about. When Michael Bisk being beat Dan Henderson. They said, oh man, Michael Bisbing just ran around and jabbed. But Daniel, what's it called? Hit, hit, land, landed more power. Then you can say, yes, the guy who landed more power won. Not the guy who controlled the pace of the fight and the action. That is important. And I think people really discount how important that is. Remember. <laughs> the fight podcast is brought to you each and every week by sage eats sage eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring sign up for sage eats at sageeatschicago.com apply promo code fight for 15 percent off your first three months remember to follow the fight podcast on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and follow me your boy at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, and share. We are everywhere podcasts live. Um, <laughs> all right, man. Uh, let me go ahead and keep on talking about it, man, because I know I was on my back. A couple people pissed me off this weekend with that. And it is, it's just those talking points are laughable. And not only are those talking points laughable, fam. If people people who watch the sport for like two seconds and try to argue and tell you how the sport works, oh my god, it's one of the most frustrating things ever. I know. I I surge. Stay off of Twitter. I know. I need to. But it just calls me, man. The Twitter trolls and the IG trolls. My God, they just. I, I feel compelled to go back and forth with people sometimes, man. But uh, but it's just when I see those things, man, it just you don't understand the sport. You don't, man. All right. Moving on, man. Um, So all in all, the Bellator event in Connecticut. Honestly, I think a lot of people feel this way. It just wasn't a good weekend for Bellator. Um, they'll be back. They they put together good cards. They do the 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 back-to-back night cards, but God, I wish they went ahead and just made that one big super card. It would have been incredible. Then, I mean, I'm sure, you know what, then you would have actually gotten some positive things happening throughout, but hey, man, you can't complain. All right, man. Uh, going back to the UFC, uh, UFC ESPN1 was held in Arizona and that was actually on um, Sunday. It was on Sunday. It was last night. And you know what, man? Thank goodness there we were saved. There was finally 
a good card, right? Um, USC came with it, man. It was a great card, great for ESPN. Um, I want to start off with, honestly, the people who really stood out um, on this one. Aljamain Sterling. By far. Aljamain Sterling is somebody who everyone, again, he trains with Sarah Longo up there in Long Island. Everybody talks about how good uh, Aljamain is. They always talk about it. They always like, oh, he's one of the best. He he beats everybody up in the room. He's one of Ally Quinta's primary training partners and best friends. Everybody talks about how great Aljamain is. And I'm going to be honest with you, I just haven't seen it. I see glimpses of cool stuff, but I've never seen anything that would really impress me. Yo, Saturday night was that night. He went ahead and actually beat Jimmy Rivera. Remember, Jimmy Rivera was just on a 20-fight win streak. He he got knocked out by Marlon Marais. No shame in that. Aljamain Sterling also got knocked out uh, by uh, Marlon Marais. But this was a good bounce-back fight for both of them. The winner moves on to title contention. The loser, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Buddy. Aljamain Sterling went out there and put on a show. Um... Out grappled um, Jimmy Rivera. He did an incredible job of being able to stay on. He was able to stay at kicking range and land strikes with his hands. So he was able to land punches and elbows, but he always made a point that every time Jimmy Rivera felt comfortable to move forward, he ended up getting his distance. He managed his distance beautifully in this fight. Landed great leg kicks. Um, timely grappling um, when he did against the cage. Nice elbows. Just an all-around good fight, man. Um, really, really happy for Aljamain. Um, went out there and just, man, just, just balled out, man. Um, what's next for Aljamain Sterling? Dominic Cruz ever comes back, that's a great matchup for him. Um, man, it, look, there can be a lot of guys um, in the round. And look, listen to this, man. Total strikes landed. Jimmy Rivera landed 36 out of 97 strikes. Aljermaine Sterling landed 129 out of 206 strikes. Come on, man. That's that's beautiful work, brother. He stayed busy. Um, look, he was over seven with takedowns, but he threatened the takedown. And the threat of the takedown was always there, man. Um, and Jimmy Rivera, man, somebody again who I think is incredible, he said it himself. He was like, you know, during the fight, he's just I just don't feel right. And uh unfortunately that happens from time to time, but when you only work a couple of times out the year, and that's the only time we can see you. I mean, unfortunately, you know, he's going to lose some some paper because of that. He's not going to be able to get the bag that he possibly could have gotten, man. So um, all in all, great, great, great um, performance by uh, <laughs> by um, by Al Jermaine. All right. Uh, main card. Main card kicked off with Andre Feely beating Miles Jury. Yo, entertaining fight. Both men had each other hurt. They were both bloody. Um, fun, fun fight, man. 
Um, great win by Andre Feely. Um, yo, he's solid, man. He still trains over there with Team Alpha Male um, in Sacramento, California. Super tough. He seems like he gets better and better. Um, and eventually he can possibly be a contender, man. Um, I, I like Andre Feely a lot. All right, this is the fight, man. Ended up getting the fight of the night. Vicente Luque, who for some strange reason, I was struggling saying my man's first name. And it's hilarious because his first name is my last name. Maybe it's just because there was nothing in front of it. It just felt awkward saying Vicente without a Sergio in front of it. I have no clue. I just couldn't say it. I, so whoever listened to the last episode, I apologize. Um, but Vicente Luque, the silent assassin, went ahead and fought Bam Bam, Dad Bod, Brian Barbarina, man. Um, this was such a fun fight. Vicente Luque ended up winning um, by KO, TKO. In, check this out. With Five seconds left in the fight. Four minutes and 55 seconds left of round three, man. Um, listen to this. Total strikes landed. Brian Barberina landed 195 out of 382 strikes. Vicente Luque landed 164 out of 242 strikes. These dudes were straight up rock'em sock'em robots. They were just throwing everything and they were blocking every single punch with their face. That's all that was happening. Hitting each other directly in the face. Crazy entertaining. I mean, listen to this. No takedowns. One takedown was attempted by Brian Barberina, but that is it, man. Um, significant strikes landed. Vicente Luque, and that's the difference in the fight. Vicente Luque actually ended up everything that he threw through a purpose. Brian Barberino was just, sometimes he was just throwing shots out there to put volume up. Um, Vicente Luque, every shot was looking like he was trying to take his head off. He landed out of his 164 strikes, 163 of them were significant strikes. So that's everything but a jab he was hitting this dude with. Crazy, man. Crazy, entertaining fight. Both men were were bleeding. Both men were beat up. Um, And the way it finished was Vicente Luque catches Brian Barbarino with a huge shot. Follows up by a big knee. Rocks him as Brian Barberina's falling down. He gets clipped by another knee. Crazy, man. Crazy fight. Um, salute to both men, man. Both of their stock goes way up after that. All right. Um, Courtney Casey ended up losing in a really close decision to Cynthia Calvalio. Um, she's another um uh team alpha male member. She's a beast. Courtney Casey, man, she can't catch a break. Uh, she is somebody who is always in tough matchups. She's always in very, very close, close matchups, man. Um, man, just another tough break for great fight for both ladies, though. It was a lot of fun. All right. Uh, James Vick versus Paul Felder. Lightweight bout. I love this fight, man. Um, super entertaining fight. 
great win, great, great win by Paul Felder. He ended up going ahead and getting the uh, decision, uh, unanimous decision. Again, another close one, man. Um, Paul Felder landed 70 out of 134 strikes. James Vick landed 69 out of 130 out of 129. Dude, this was such a close fight. No t- no knockdowns, no submissions. I really do believe the only reason you give the fight to Paul Felder is because again, he was coming forward and the shots that he landed seemed like they did more damage than the shots uh, James Vick was landing. So um, salute to Paul Felder. And also check this out. Paul Felder ended up in the last strike that he took, ended up fighting with a punctured lung. James Vick ended up catching him with a body shot at the very end and one of the last moments of the fight, and it actually punctured Paul Felder's lungs, man. Crazy. Um, I'm glad he's okay, um, but unfortunately, he will not be able to fly because he was supposed to commentate for the UFC for that Russia card that's next month, and unfortunately, he's not going to be able to do that now, so... Um, but great win for him. All right, comes to the main event. Um, this was crazy, man. Uh, Francis Ngannou against Cain Velasquez. I fully anticipated this fight to look a lot like the Francis Ngannou versus Stipe Miocic fight. Stipe is like a poor man's version of Cain. Um, at least we thought. Somebody who has incredible wrestling, solid stand-up, great movement. We saw in that fight with Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou that Francis Ngannou does not do well with that type of pressure. If he clips his opponents and they don't go anywhere, you can break him. And that's what we saw with Stipe and Francis Knowing for all the, the, again, a lot of people looking at it, when I'm looking at Cain Velasquez, I'm looking at somebody who I thoroughly believed, and many of us thoroughly believe was and is the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. So a lot of us expected to see that exact same thing. Last time we saw Cain, yes, it was two years ago, but he beat at UFC 200. He beat a prime, a prime uh, Travis Brown. Travis Brown, who's ready and back and ready. And Cain Velasquez went out there and threw a spinning wheel kick and just completely beat Travis Brown's ass. Everybody saw this fight going that way. Man, except for Francis Ngannou. Um, fight kicks off, and and something that I also said last episode was this. I was like, this fight's going to go one of two ways. If it goes early, Francis. If it goes late, Kane. This fight was stopped in just 26 seconds of the very first round. What happened? Um, a couple things happened. The most important thing is that while Kane was pushing forward, trying to really go and get, get into the clinch, really rush Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou did a couple of sort of things that was incredible. Um, he was able to, when he had the first, um, he did not allow Kane Velasquez to get the underhook. When Kane Velasquez shot in to get the underhook, 
Francis Ngannou did an incredible job of taking his left arm, getting under hook under Kane's right arm, and lifting. So he pretty much lifted like a chicken wing up high, which ended up standing uh, Kane Velasquez up. Now, granted, this is something that he did totally intentionally. Okay, he meant to do this. This is a great job. He lifts him up, and then he ends up pretty much kind of like a forehead, like a open hand kind of push, and push Kane's head up a little bit. Kane is still pushing forward, pushes Francis's back directly against the cage. In this time, and it takes somebody with stupid power to pull this off. He threw pretty much just a shovel right hand, which if a couple of us have done like that, that uh peck deck, whatever that machine is in the gym where you're like doing the chest flies. He pretty much did that movement. Came across his body and ended up catching Kane with an uppercut. Kane ends up falling down, blows his knee out, or he says his knee popped out, and um, in Francis lands a couple shots. They stop the fight. Francis Ngannou, great win. I'll, I'll talk about in a second where I believe Francis goes from here. Now, after the fight, Cain Velasquez, Velasquez was extremely adamant saying it wasn't the punch. I really didn't get hit hard. It's my knee. He said that after the fight. His team has said that after the fight. Yo, he can be saying that because he's concussed. I don't know. He could be. But he could be telling the truth. The shot that landed did not seem like the hardest punch landed. I've, we've all seen Kane get hit harder than that. But we also haven't seen him get hit one in two years. And we also haven't seen him get hit by Francis Ngannou. He has unworldly power, yo. The power that that man possesses is incredible. Yo, he's 260 pounds with like an eight pack. Buddy is a complete specimen. So yeah, when you saw him make contact, Kane's body did drop. Now, I don't know if it's that he dropped because it was he was reacting to the shot because what it does look like, it does look like he gets hit by the shot. He tries to adjust. And when he tries to plant his foot, his foot slips out from under him, which causes his knee to buckle. But his knee could have buckled because he took a shot. We'll never know. It was really quick. Only the guys in there will really know. Um, regardless, we'll see what ends up happening to Kane or with Kane and what's going to happen with Francis Ngannou. People are already saying title shot. Danny Cormier needs to defend his boy and fight Francis Ngannou. Daniel Cormier is one of the most active champions that we have in the UFC. So if you're sitting there saying Francis will beat Daniel Cormier. I'm going to say it again. Go back and look at my man's resume. The only person in the world that can beat Daniel Cormier is John Jones. That's it. Nobody else can beat that man. His wrestling is too good. His control is too good. And his honesty, his defense is too good. 
What do you do with Francis Ngannou? I heard this earlier today and it actually made me laugh, but it kind of makes sense. Have Daniel Cormier fight John Jones? Have Francis Ngannou fight Brock Lesnar? Yo, you talk about a freak show? That'd be crazy. It would be nuts. They're not going to do that. I would like to see it, but it's not going to happen. So what do you do? I believe he should either get a rematch with Stipe. Possibly give Volkov somebody else. I don't think he should get a title shot. The reason I don't think he should get a title shot is because of this. He's already lost the title once. He goes back and he loses the title shot again. That's twice he's lost the title shot. It's going to be hard pressed for them to give him a third shot. And think about this. Right now he loses a Daniel Cormier. Wait till there's a better matchup for him. He's only, what, 33? He's still young. Don't rush it. Don't rush it at all. Give him another fight. Yo, give him a, a rematch with um, Derek Lewis. Somebody else who's ranked in the top two. There it is. Something like that. That's the type of matchup that he ends up getting. Um, Justin Willis. That's a great matchup. Those are guys that I would like to see him against um, before you end up doing Taito Avasa. That's the fight. There it is. He gets the winner of the Junior Dos Santos fight that's coming up next. Where If Junior Dos Santos wins, you do JDS versus, um, versus uh, um, Francis Ngannou. That would be the fight that I would love to see. That would be incredible, man. But all in all, man, look. UFC saved the fight weekend. It was a lot of fun, man. The UFC car was a lot of fun. Yo, the Bellator cars were fun too, yo. They, they were fun to make fun of. They were fun to watch. Always love hearing um, um, Goldberg uh, doing the commentary, not Bill Goldberg. We're talking about Goldie, we're talk, um, the former UFC commentator. Um, they, they do a great job, man. Um, I will say this. Bellator, what are you doing with the music? I know you guys are friends of it with 50 Cent or whatever he's doing, but they were going to play and playing every, it sounded like it was 2003 in there. It really did. The DJ was terrible. If you looked at the graphics on the screen, they, the graphics when the fighters came out looked like PlayStation, like original PlayStation graphics. It was terrible, man. It was terrible. Um, oh, and this is also the last thing I have to say, too. The crowds this weekend were t- awful. Just plain doo-doo, man. The fact that you got these people in Arizona booing Francis. I don't care if that's where Kane is from. This man is talking about his pops who just died, and they were booing him. Yo, y'all can kick rocks. Like... They were booing fights that were, oh my God, how the heck did I miss this? Yo, my bad. Before I get up out of here, man, um, I meant to talk about one of the most important fights of the weekend. Alex Caceres 
went out there and welcomed Crone Gracie. Crone Gracie to the UFC. Crone Gracie is the son of Hickson Grayson Gracie. He's the grandson of Helio Gracie, the man who ended up developing um, and is the, the founder of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This man comes from the OG of OG legacies, right? He comes from that bloodline. And his for his first fight in the UFC, only his fifth professional fight ever, he goes out there and fights Alex Caceres. Alex Caceres is a dog. Somebody who's a, who uh, was a former competitor in the, the Ultimate Fighter. He trains over there at the lab with Benson Henderson and those boys in Crouch. They He is a fighter. He's been in there with everybody. He has an incredible record. And Crone Gracie submitted him in the first three minutes of the fight. Within 45 seconds, Crone Gracie had the clinch. Within a minute, Crone Gracie had him on the ground. And it was, he could pretty much cancel Christmas from there. It was one of the most clinical, methodical things that I have ever seen. Crone Gracie is an absolute problem at 145 pounds. Do I believe he's going to win the championship today? No. He gets mauled by Max Holloway. But if you continue developing him, and you continue building him up, and his striking improves even more, anybody who he gets his hands on is going to get submitted. He was asked, <laughs> he was asked before this fight, uh, after this fight, how did he feel about the UFC and the UFC, you know, the jitters? Did he feel the jitters? And his response to that was, those jitters are anything like the pressure my dad puts on me. Ooh, savage, bro. That dude barely smiles. He's going to be fun to watch, man. It was great. It was one of the, and especially after watching the white belts go at it, uh, with Paul Daly and MVP the night before, watching just some quality grappling was just, mm. man, made me smile, man, made me smile. Yo, I am so sorry I almost forgot about that. Uh, but yo, all in all, um, great fights. Um, we had some bright spots. Bellator with the Valerie, um, what's her name? Valerie Loretto. Um, <laughs> and uh, Mirko Krokop, UFC with the litany of people, everybody on their card. It was fun, man. A lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I started off with it. The losers this weekend were Bellator. The winners this weekend were the UFC. Um, so with that being said, yo, that's about all the time we have, man. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, I will be back uh, this week, man. Obviously, there's another uh, card this weekend uh, for the UFC. There's some boxing this weekend. I'll be breaking both of those down. There's already so much fight news that's coming out, and um, I will be back talking about that as well. Um, Brandon Camille. Brandon Camille will be back this week as well. We're going to go ahead and break down all the fight news of the week, and I'm sure he has something to say about the MMA fights as well. And um, and we're going to try to bring you a couple more exclusive interviews as well, man. So keep your eyes and ears open. Uh, follow us on um, social media at The Fight Podcast. Uh, check out the website. We do have merch, man. So check out the merch. We have hoodies. Everything is made to order. So just shoot us a line. Let us know. And we will go ahead and get those right to you. Um, 
This is your host, Serge Vicente. This is episode 82 of the Fight Podcast. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats today and you guys get 15% off uh, your first three months. And um, yo, thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you next time right here on the Fight Podcast. Peace out.